Just finished the Void Pill Show. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Sod, how are you? Andrew, nice to see you. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Please don't forget freedomain.com forward slash almost. It's almost a great novel. That would be my cat. That would be my literal marketing slogan. Almost a great novel. It's almost a great novel. <laughs> it is actually, in fact, a masterpiece. And I hope that you will check it out. Did DLive ask you to scan your vaccine passport before you can live stream? Uh, isn't it exciting? Isn't it exciting? You remember I did that video about how we would just like tax livestock? Well, you know who you vaccinate? <laughs> your livestock. Do you ask their permission? Not so much. Yeah, in Italy, they are um, uh, scanning. Uh, sorry, they're just burning their vaccine passports. It's very, very, very cool. All right. I'm in such a bubbly mood these last few days. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you. When you are at the shrug, squat bench pressing the entire planet, uh, it's a little stressful, let me tell you. Just a little. Just a little. But when you shrug... You know, the Atlas Shrug thing, when you feel like you're carrying the weight of the world and the future of civilization depends on the eloquent assembly of your kaleidoscopic language, it's a little bit of pressure when you step back. Step back! Mwah! Kiss myself! When you step back and just say, I have done my part. <laughs> Other people can step in. I've done my four fucking decades. I have done my 40 years of combat. And I... Um, I'm happy with what I did. I'm not sure I could have done any more or any better. I don't really feel there's a big gap analysis of where I could have been in this or other worlds. But um, what can I do? Uh, I've done everything I can. And now uh, it's time for retirement and enjoying these conversations with you guys. But yeah, way to the world. Done. History, baby. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a tiny example. As to why I'm off politics, like a, a fat kid is not off Smarties, right? I tell you why I'm <laughs> why I'm off politics. Oh my God! All right. Andrew Cuomo, does that ring a bell? Andrew Cuomo, Bueller. Andrew Cuomo. Anybody know? Governor of New York. Anyway, so Andrew Cuomo is resigning now. Why is he resigning? Because he was killing grannies and snapping fannies, and slapping fannies. So he's retiring, you see, because. He's accused, and I think there's been some pretty strong evidence, uh, and I think a report came out that said it was the case. He, he groped some women. Is he perverted or just Italian? As a British person, they're fairly indistinguishable for me, and as a Canadian, they're completely indistinguishable. So he is resigning because he groped some women over the years and created a hostile work environment, totally unlike YouTube, which just suspended Senator Rand Paul for misinformation because some um, douchebag ass white beardless <laughs> cluster frack leftist moron at YouTube way more knowledgeable about medicine than, I don't know, a doctor who's also a senator. Yeah, it's not a bad combo. So, you know, those of us who work on mainstream social media platforms have been experiencing a hostile work environment since, I don't know, 2016, the moment when uh, Trump won the election. Got kind of hostile for us out there in social media. But anyway, so Andrew Cuomo is resigning because, because you see, he groped some women. 
Now, he also ordered COVID-positive people into nursing homes, thus, according to some reports, causing the death of well over a thousand people. Let's say that's true. Let's say that's true. Seems to be about as true as the groping stuff. So you see, you can put events in motion that cause the death of a thousand people, and you're fine. No problem. We can skate right over that one. We can just float right over the bodies of granny and granddad and no issues, no problems. But grab a couple of women's behinds. Well, now, see, before it's just a thousand deaths. Now there's greasy half-satanic handprints on a woman's ass. <laughs> That's clearly a bridge too far. You can't be doing that. Killing grannies, all right. We can work with... You touched a woman? <sighs> COVID, touching the lungs of women and killing them? No problem. You touching a woman's butt? <sighs> well, now you've got to quit. You can't... You can't work with that as a philosopher. That's like going to an insane asylum and trying to teach physics. Or going to my mother and trying to teach empathy. No, I, I, it's too much. I can't do it. I just can't do it. I can't, I can't get this. We're morally insane. We're absolutely complete. And, and if there's one thing that's just kind of compressed it down in an easily digestible black void pill, it surely is the fact that Andrew Cuomo could set events in motion that some argue caused the deaths of well over a thousand people. Some people say 10,000 people. And he's fine. But if he touched a couple of women's butts, oh my God, can't be having that. Because you see, it's okay. Thousand, ten thousand people dying. But touching a woman's butt without her permission. I mean, you can give old grannies me too moments with 10,000 Wuhan viruses per square inch. It's fine. But if you give women a me too moment with your... Well, I guess he had one hand in the taxpayers' pockets and another hand on the butts of women. And that's something that, well, you you got to quit, man. you got to quit. That's, it's too, like, it's too morally insane. I, I'm not going to engage in a mental space where people don't even fucking know how crazy that, like, how genuinely morally insane slash evil slash deranged slash corrupt beyond the dreams of Beelzebub. I simply cannot engage in a space where that can happen, like I just, I just can't. It would be an insult to philosophy to try applying it to the madhouse known as politics these days. I absolutely am not going to go anywhere down that road at all. Yeah, it's serious. Butt grabbing is serious. Killing grannies. Well, come on, man. I mean, they're old anyway. But, my God, my God. You love the new setup? Excellent. Thank you for releasing. Yeah, the book is out now out as an EPUB. JP. Sorry, JKP Gamer says, thank you for releasing almost as an EPUB, 200 pages in. It's amazing. It is. It is an amazing. Uh, it's an amazing book. And um, you can get it at freedomain.com forward slash almost. Totally free. You can get the audiobook. You can get the EPUB and all that. Right. So somebody writes, Steph, can you explain how you're so good at public speaking? I have an upcoming presentation and I'm nervous. Ah, you see, that's because... You are making it about you. Do not make it about you. The key to public speaking, let's, let me take you on a slight allegorical journey. 
So let's say there's Bob and there's Sally. And you think that Bob would be great for Sally and Sally would be great for Bob. And you bring them along on an evening with you and you introduce them to each other and you see whether they like each other. Now, when you see whether Bob and Sally would like each other, are you thinking about you? No. You're thinking about Bob and you're thinking about Sally. You are invisible in the equation. Now, maybe at some point you'll say down the road if they like each other and they get married or whatever, you say, yes, I introduced them. And maybe you take a tiny bit of pride in that. But in the moment where Bob and Sally are meeting and you think they're really going to hit it off and you want everyone to be happy and love like you are, Bob and Sally are meeting. It's not about you. It's about Bob and Sally. And that's what you're really concerned about is how they like each other. Okay, so here's the key. Here's the trick. When it comes to public speaking, you're introducing the truth to the audience. Let's just say the truth. It could be, I don't know, marketing pitch or whatever, right? But you're introducing information to the audience. Your only concern is whether the information and the audience get along. It's not about you. You can't get Bob and Sally to like each other if you're only concerned about what they're thinking of you because it screws up the whole wiring. So you are a clear pane of glass. I, would, I, I try, believe it or not. This is going to sound odd because I am a bit of an antic monkey <laughs> when it comes to philosophy. But I aim in the long run, to be completely invisible in philosophy. Here's another analogy. If you buy a house, I was once believe, I was once flown to meet a supremely rich guy with a beautiful view who wanted to know some very important facts, and I thought, what the heck, I'll go. And he had this house with this incredible view of, doesn't really matter what, it was an incredible view, right? And so I was, I was explaining to him what what I was in, in the realm of philosophy. And what I was saying was this. I said, look, when you bought this place, did you care about the glass or did you care about the view? And he says, I cared about the view. I said, yeah, the glass maker is at his best when you don't even notice the glass, when it's so perfectly made, so ripple free that you don't even notice it. You ever been in front of one of those glass, not that well made, or maybe it's an old one, you, you move your head and the whole thing ripples like a big heat wave. So this is my job. My job is to be a, a sheer invisible pane of glass so that you can see philosophy. That's, that's the whole gig. The whole gig here. Maybe I'll show a little bit of thigh and swim my, swing my purse and fishnet stocking just to get you interested. But the whole point is to get you guys interested in the view called philosophy and forget about me. I want to be that clear pane of glass. And the glass maker is at his happiest when nobody comments on the glass at all. Right? The glassmaker is at his happiest when everyone says, oh my God, what an incredible view. And they don't even notice the glass. He's so good that he's invisible. That's the goal, right? So when it comes, the more you make it about you, like if you're the glassmaker and you say, I really want people to notice my glass, then you're going to have to put crap and ripples in it or weird colors or stained glass so people notice it, right? But that's not the gig. When you're communicating information, it's information and the people, and you're trying to introduce them to each other, and you should focus on the information and the people and how well they connect. Not whether they like you, not whether they think you're smart or eloquent or whatever. It's just the information and the people. You want you to be a clear pane of glass through which people can see whatever it is that you're trying to bring to them. And take yourself out of the equation, and you will be amazed at how relaxed and enjoyable it can be for you. All right. Hmm, at least the job market is good. Decide to look for a new job and got an interview scheduled the next day. Well, congratulations, James. That is wonderful. Is Pelosi really going to retire? 
Because here's the funny thing, right? Andrew Cuomo gone, maybe Pelosi's going to retire. And everyone's like, whew, big sigh of relief. Now, it's not going to be, you know, they're just going to replace him with someone even worse, right? They, um, I mean, Andrew Cuomo got the shift stuck in for a couple of reasons. One, maybe the investigation into the nursing home deaths is heating up. But that's unlikely because he's a Democrat and they can get away with literally anything. I mean, if you're on the left, you wouldn't believe how much you can get away with. I mean, you and I have no idea, right? You and I have no idea what it's like to have that kind of a friendly press and, and everyone running cover for you and everyone covering up from you and everyone attacking your enemies and elevating you and praising you. I mean, it's just incredible. It's just incredible. The support that people on the left have. I mean, you can be a communist in university and everyone is fine with that, totally fine with that. You know, well over 100 million killed in 100 years, way worse than the Nazis, but you could be a communist. You don't know. Totally fine. It's totally fine. All right. Uh, when you're guilty of something politically, you can always let yourself off the hook with sexual misconduct. Yeah. Yeah. When did Me Too begin to matter more than the deaths of grandparents? Well, I don't know. Uh, but again, I, I don't even care to figure it out because it's so morally insane that the, I, I will not dignify politics with a rational moral analysis anymore because it's gone completely mad. All right. Hey, Steph, appreciate all your hard work through the years. You've helped bring clarity to my life and countless others. Well, thank you very much. I really, really appreciate that. And uh, remember, even if I just write a great diet book, you're the guys who have to change what you eat. So the fact that I come up with some good arguments, I appreciate that. Please give yourselves a pat on the back 10 times more than you give me because you're the ones who had to listen to it and implement it. And I know how hard that is. So. All right. Yeah, touching the butt is too extreme. If you'd gone to Epstein Island with Bill Clinton, he would be fine. He would be fine. What is it? Virginia Guifrey? Is that her name? She's now suing Prince Andrew for what she alleges that he had sex with her against her will when she was 17 and that he knew her age. He's denying it, of course, but um, yeah. I can never look at the queen without remembering that she raised Prince Andrew. It was her kid, wasn't it? Anyway. Let's see here. Yeah, kill as many people as you want, but by God, don't touch anyone. Yeah. Uh, right. What have we got here? Just watched your interview on New Zealand TV. Even though I'm from Australia, I would like to apologize from Down Under for that dickhead. Oh, oh, gosh. What was his name? The guy from the New Zealand television. I don't, I don't think he was a dickhead. I really don't. I don't think he was a dickhead. Look, the, the problem is that resistance brings strength. Resistance breeds strength. Whatever his name was, I don't remember. He simply had been in an environment where nobody had fundamentally disagreed with him throughout the course of his career. He was not used to facing intelligent and challenging opposition. Now, I myself... I love intelligent and challenging opposition. I wish I could get more people to debate with me, but nobody seems to want to play that much anymore. But he was not, I don't think he was a dickhead. I think that he just hadn't, I don't know if you've ever had this situation. Have you ever had this situation? I remember someone I knew making the case that back in the day when there was the Iron Curtain, right? Before the fall of the Soviet Union. He said, no, no, no. East Germany is a paradise. They build the fence. They build the wall, the Berlin Wall, the East the Wall, 
they built all of that so that we wouldn't break in or see how wonderful it is over there. And it, and, and it's the kind of thing like when I had the debate with the flat earth guy and I'm like, I'm going to take this seriously. I don't think there's such a thing as a flat earth, but I'm going to do the research. I'm going to read up on it. I'm going to, you know, it's really, really important to be challenged in even the things that you foundationally understand, right? So there's a lot of talk at the moment uh, based upon a court case in Alberta where they demanded proof of the isolation of COVID. The government couldn't provide it. And there's all these things where people say, well, they haven't isolated the uh, COVID-19 virus. Now, I have no idea what to make of any of this stuff, but I'll read up on it, right? I was reading that, oh, you know, there's spike proteins, they gather in the uterus and that's bad. And then people saying, well, but that was a experiment from Japan where they put 1300 times the dose into animals and it's not valid for humans. It's like, yeah, I'm... Hit me, you know, hit me with my, you know, you want to you wanna argue communism with me? Hey, I've done it a million times. I, maybe I got something wrong. Happy to hear it, right? You want to say to me that the non-aggression principle is morally invalid. You want to hit me on UPB? Beautiful. You know, bring it on. I'm, I'm happy to have my foundational beliefs cross-examined a million times and then again on the next Sunday. And, and so this New Zealand guy, he just had, li I wouldn't say lived in a bubble because that sounds really condescending, but when you are not part of the mainstream narrative, which has become, of course, as I said, increasingly leftist over time, then you're constantly challenged, right? You mean read the mainstream media and it's like just constantly trying to erode you like a tsunami on a sandcastle. And you get good at responding. You, you strengthen your core beliefs. You strengthen your foundational beliefs because they're opposed by pretty competent people on a regular basis. So I think that he had simply existed in a paradigm where people don't really challenge each other. And when there isn't that kind of challenge going on, you automatically are nowhere near the truth. If there's no challenge, if there's no one scouring the basis of your belief system, if nobody's saying, how do you know what is real? How do you know you're not living a dream? How do you know it's not a simulation? How do you know what is true? How do you know what is good? How, if people aren't just scouring the base of your belief, with those acidic Nietzschean questions, you don't know anything. And that's sort of what bothers me in the media. Like in the media, every time you pick it up, there's all of these stories like, this family were COVID skeptics and three of them died within three days of each other. You know, this guy, a father of five, was vaccine hesitant and he fell prey to misinformation and he died. Okay, yeah, then those are stories and they're important to hear. Can a brother get a story of anyone who died from a vaccine? Because we know there have been thousands and thousands and thousands. Can a brother, any, any story. But of course, you know the way it is. You know what happens. Um, they're not on a mission for truth. They're on a mission for control. They're on a mission for controlling the narrative. So if you worked at the mainstream media, you worked wherever, right? And you would say, you know, we've done all these stories. I've got a list of them. Like we do a story a day, at least a story a day on how someone who was skeptical of the vaccine didn't take it and died. What about the people who weren't skeptical of the vaccine, took the vaccine and died? Can we, can, we do a, can we do a story? Now, of course, they won't do a story in that because the goal is to get everyone vaccinated. So they won't promote anything like that, even though it's a fact. So because the goal is to get everything vaccinated, so, sorry, to get everyone vaccinated, there's no truth. There's no truth. The moment you have a goal, there's no truth. Like if you're a salesman and you need to sell this car to make your rent because you're on commission or whatever, right? Then there's no truth. There's no truth. If, if, you're, if you've already committed, I have to sell this car, 
then there's no truth. There may be some tertiary or accidental, but epistemologically, from a commitment standpoint, there's no truth. There's no truth. Like if, if you're a guy who's physically vain but emotionally insecure and you want to sleep with some woman but you think you're kind of trashy and you don't want her to know much about you, everything you say is just going to be a lie and it's just going to be a falsehood. Whenever you give up the relentless pursuit of truth and you fall prey to ideological agenda, truth is completely out the window. Completely out the window. And so with the mainstream, and, and then anytime truth comes close... You will attack it as being in the way of what you want. You know, if, if you're desperate to sell this car because otherwise you're going to get kicked out of your house and some other guy comes up and says, oh, man, I owned one of those. It was a total lemon. You're going to get really angry at that guy for, you know, in a recession, never fuck with another man's livelihood. It's the old risky business movie went, right? That's from the movie. Anyway, so there's no... There's not really any truth. There's just an agenda, right? Like we want to promote multiculturalism. We want to, you know, promote uh, caring for people. And there's, there's just no what's true. There's just what serves the narrative. And nobody who questions the narrative ever gets to any decision-making place in there. So, again, I don't, I think he's just, it's really, it's so unfortunate. Like if you, if you really hate someone, and really want to destroy them. You just you just have to do one thing. To re I mean, here, here's your, you know, don't use this for good, not evil, right? If you really want to destroy someone, there's just one thing you have to do. All you have to do is withhold from him or her the truth. You withhold the truth, and you will destroy that person. It may take a while, and it's almost always when it happens completely irreversible, because once somebody has become demoralized, as Yuri Besmanov used to say, facts only harden their ideology. Facts make them retreat further into their ideology. So the way to destroy a human being is to withhold the truth from him. You withhold the truth from him, and his brain cooks into a slow-grade poached insanity inside his own skull and can never be uncooked again. So, All right. Uh, blah, blah, blah. The countries you infected then blackmailing Western leaders to adopt totalitarian lockdowns with the health institutes endorse. It is, um, I mean, it is really chilling. Just, just like what a clear propagandistic agenda there is. Somebody mentioned Art of the Argument, artoftheargument.com, artoftheargument.com. I would appreciate it if you buy it, and I think you'll appreciate it if you read it. Uh, Art of the Argument, awesome book, says Jake the Jew. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Only thing worse than when Steph has tech problems is when I can't load 360p. <laughs> All right, Steph, when will you invite Devin Stack to the show? You see me doing a lot of interviews lately? You see me doing a lot of interviews? Not really, no. Uh, my friend told me to listen to Sam Harris. He seems like a collectivist sophist. Uh, to me, I mean, this intellectual dark web and, you know, they're, they're just... They're just boring. I mean, I, I hate to say it, you know, because it sounds very like, oh, I'm so interesting. But it's just kind of boring. Uh, it's like Ben Shapiro, like Dems are the real racists and stuff. And, you know, Sam Harris droning on about determinism while morally castigating everyone who disagrees with him. I mean, it's, it's, it's schizo and all that, right? Uh, let's see here. 
Cuomo is being replaced with someone who's related to Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. You can be a Stalinist and be fine in university. Hell, you can be a Stalinist and you'll end up marrying Jordan Peterson's daughter. Was it Michaela Peterson? She met some guy who says, I think he's a tanky, I think he was a Stalinist, and says that he's inhabited by a particular demon, like a, literally a particular demon. And she's like, wow, put a baby in me. <laughs> and I think he's ended up, like, Jordan Peterson, the, the massive anti-communist, I think his business affairs are being run by this Stalinist, as far as I understand it. You know, look it up yourself, but it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. I've been seeing so many people doing interviews with insane communists like Vosh. Frustrating to hear them speak. Yeah. Well, don't be frustrated. Like, I mean, um, just don't stand between people and their mistakes. Don't stand between people and their mistakes. Uh, in the four stages of ideological subversion, the crisis stage is where things get too crazy for philosophy. Yeah, for sure. Aristotle said an educated man acknowledges other ideas even if he doesn't accept them. The left doesn't even acknowledge the other argument. No, so the left is anybody who disagrees with me is evil. And if you want to... Um, Patty Gower. Sorry, that name just popped into me. Is that right, Patty Gower? You can find the interview at freedomain.locals.com. So if you, you want to understand the left, so I said this before, like there's the angels and then there's the mammals, right? So the angels are the people who accept universal moral standards as the highest ideal and strive to uh, achieve them, right? So thou shalt not bear false witness, right? You, you shouldn't lie. That is only a standard that is pursued by the angels. The angels doesn't mean that you are perfect. It doesn't mean you're morally perfect. It means the angels means that you acknowledge an ideal moral standard that you are beholden to that is universal. By definition, it has to be universal for it to be moral. So the angels are those who say, don't, don't, don't steal, don't rob, right? Thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill. They accept and acknowledge universal moral standards. And this is why when the media is this false, you know that Christians aren't in charge. Not that Christians are always perfect, but they do have that angelic moral standard, thou shalt not bear false witness. And if confronted, they will have to deal with that challenge, that question, right? They don't have the end justifies the means. There's nothing in the Ten Commandments that says the ends justify the means. There are the moral, absolutes and moral standards. The same with UPB, non-aggression principle, libertarians of many, many stripes and hues. So those are the angels. Doesn't mean they're perfect, but they have an ideal moral standard. The mammals are what works. What, what works? Pragmatists, utilitarians, right? Uh, that's simply evolution with a font. That's, that's all it is, right? Newsprints. Just ev the, so what they're doing is saying, okay, what works? What works? Well, I like power, so it works when I get power. And then they say, what do I have to say to get power? Right? Like a man who wants to sleep with a woman might say not, well, I want to be a virtuous guy. I want to win her love. I want to, you know, she can be my wife. That's sort of the angel side. The man who sleeps with a woman, wants to sleep with a woman, could just say, okay, who do you want me to be to make you sleep with me? Okay, what do I have to be? What do I have to say? What, what illusion do I have to put forward? Who do I have to pretend to be in order to sleep with this woman? Now, of course, the moral people would say, 
well, you can't lie. It's bearing false witness. That's wrong. But he's like, from an evolutionary standpoint, whatever gets your seed in the egg works. There's no ideal moral standard. You, you, you don't get a reward in the mammal world for telling the truth if telling the truth costs you reproduction. You understand? Now, in the Christian world, you get the reward of going to heaven for obeying the Ten Commandments. But in the mammal world, you get eradicated genetically if you don't get your needs met. Your needs for food, shelter, sustenance, sex, reproduction, whatever it is. The survival of your offspring to some degree, right? Now, morality is a luxury only purchasable by self-sufficiency. Let me say that again so you understand it. Sorry, that's not a good way of putting it. You won't understand it if I repeat it. Let me say it again. I'll explain it. Morality is a luxury you can only purchase by being self-sufficient. If you are dependent upon the kindness of strangers, if you are dependent upon the state, if you are dependent upon your kindly aunt sending you $2,000 every month, you can't afford to be moral. If you're dependent, you can't afford to be moral. If you're dependent, you're automatically in a state of mammal versus angel. You're on the side of mammals versus angels. Mammals will do whatever works to achieve reproductive success and survival in the short run. There's no universal principles other than Seek power, achieve resources, reproduce. Now, if you are dependent upon your kindly aunt, Agnes, Agnes, your kindly aunt, you're dependent on her, she gives you $2,000 a month, but she's kind of moody. Now, then she says, I'm a big fan of Biden. Now, let's say you don't like Biden. Okay. How honest can you be to your kindly or not so kindly aunt Agnes if she likes Biden and you hate Biden? Can you, be, can you say, well, here's the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop, and here's, my God, there's apparently another uh, Hunter Biden laptop that's been found that has even worse stuff on it, right? And, and this is a guy who's raised, uh, you know, drug addicts and, and cheaters, and like, this is, how can he parent a nation when he can't even parent his own kids? And here's his history with the racism, and here's his history of, of uh, calling Barack Obama articulate. <laughs> and, you know, in another age, he said Barack Obama would be fetching us coffee, he said to some other guy, right? So... Talk to, you know, your aunt. Now, let's say she gets really angry and upset with you. Well, you need her $2,000 a month to survive, if that's what you need. So how honest can you be? Well, the answer is not very honest. Now, if you have your own money and you're not dependent upon your aunt, then you can afford to be moral. Because if she says, I'm cutting you off, you're like, from what? <laughs> I don't take any money of yours. But if you're dependent... Now, the dependency doesn't just have to be on money. The dependency can be very much on approval, right? So let's say you're vax hesitant. You say, well, I'm going to be part of the control group. You know, I respect the Nuremberg things, uh, the Nuremberg principles, and uh, you should never, ever be coerced or bullied or bribed into taking an experimental drug. Uh, that's part of the whole Nuremberg thing. It's one of the reasons we fought the Nazis and, and defeated them so that we wouldn't ever have this happen again. And restricting people's liberties is punishing them and forcing them, in a sense, to take a vaccine, which is still experimental. I'm part of the control group. You can say that, right? Now, maybe everyone on your family or, or whatever, they're saying, well, but for the greater good, and you've got to protect people, and people are going to die, and, and they believe that the, the, the unvaccinated are driving the mutations, right? So that you get more mutations, people are locked down again because of the selfish, unvaccinated people falling prey to misinformation and so on, right? So you have this fundamental disagreement, right? Well, if you're dependent upon their approval, then you're going to be worn down. 
So whatever you're dependent on, if you're not self-sufficient in your own approval, in your own finances, in your own independence, if you're not self-sufficient, I never view someone as having a foundational capacity for morality if they're not self-sufficient. Now, self-sufficient doesn't mean that you make all your own money, right? A woman who's dependent upon her husband and is raising his children is perfectly self-sufficient because they're a team and she's married someone because she's telling him the truth, if it's a love relationship, right? So it doesn't mean that you always have to make your own money. But it does mean that the truth warps around dependency in, in a very subtle way, in very subtle ways. So to me, when the media in America gets most of its money from the pharmaceutical industry, and the pharmaceutical industry is making its money from the vaccine, it's perfectly predictable what the media is going to say about the vaccine. Is the media going to interfere with the profits of the people who keep them in business? The answer is no. In Canada, I think the Trudeau government is giving, what, $700,000 a week to media? So what's their relationship to telling the truth about the liberals? Well, I mean, it's, not, it's not present. It's not there. It's not there. So when, when the media makes money from fear, when the media makes money from war, when the media makes money from bad medicine and whatever it is, and I'm not talking about the vaccine in particular there, but, you know, everybody knows that the media will have far more ads for supposed medicines to manage the bad effects of bad choices than actually improving people's choices. You look at the amount of energy they put into the vaccine, they haven't put that into losing weight and, and exercising and getting enough sleep and getting enough sun and, and all. In fact, the lockdowns, you know, what is it? Uh, losing weight and vitamin D and all that is, is very helpful in surviving COVID. So locking people indoors, depriving them of exercise and vitamin D, well, that's kind of the opposite of what you'd want to do. So all I do is a couple of things I do, just in case people are, you know, these are tools I can hand across to you. A couple of things I do. I say, okay, is this person independent? Okay, they seem to be independent. They're not on the government. So when people are making arguments about welfare, they're usually representing a whole bunch of people who genuinely don't believe they can survive without welfare, without the welfare state. They don't believe that they can survive without the welfare state. So they can't be honest about it. They can't be, they can't pursue an objective, unbiased, not emotional, rational, empirical investigation of the phenomenon. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. Um... I mean, they'd be like Tony Soprano's wife really trying to figure out where his money comes from. She's not going to have any incentive to do any of that, right? So I look, so is, is somebody uh, independent? Are they ideologically bound up? Is there an end that justifies the means? And we know this from the environmental movement. They've openly stated that they need to exaggerate their case in order to gain attention and eyeballs and fear. Look at the, main, look at the mainstream tech companies, right? Social media companies, high-tech companies. And look at how much money they've made from the pandemic, right? So... Every day the pandemic lockdowns and, and stay at home and, and work from home, every time, every day that goes on, they make a, a zillion dollars, right? So would they be interested if there were effective treatments for COVID that would have eliminated the lockdowns? Would they be interested in promoting that, knowing that that was going to cost them zillions of dollars of profits? Well, only if they were run by devout Christians or other people who had a tell-the-truth universally, right? As I've said before, Judaism, Islam, other religions, you only owe the truth to other members of your religion, other members of your tribe, other members of your ethnic or, or um, 
ideological or religious group, right? So you don't have to tell the truth to outsiders. So I, I look for that. Uh, is this someone who believes in universal morality? Do they have moral obligations to everyone in the world? Well, as a philosopher, I do. I know that Christians do. Again, doesn't mean we're perfect. It just means that's the ideal that you can hold people to, and they'll suffer to some degree if they don't achieve it, right? So, yeah, are they independent? Do they have universal morals? Have they, um, have they ever taken a bullet for the truth, right? Have they ever sacrificed something for the truth? Well, I've sacrificed. I've burnt how many bridges for the truth? Well, so these are ways in which you can try and figure things out about who, who's even worth listening to when it comes to the truth. And, of course, with socialists and communists and fascists and so on, they're all like, oh, yeah, the, the end justifies the means. We, we've got to get our social political system in place, and it doesn't matter what we tell people. It doesn't matter anything, these things, right? So, All right. Oh, wrong glasses. Ah, don't you love that Spinoza died from grinding glasses? And he was a philosopher. who He, he, he inhaled glass shards from grinding glasses to make spectacles. In other words, a philosopher died from bringing better vision to other people. Isn't that nice? Why did nobody stand up for Steph? Not a single YouTuber expressed any discontent with Steph's ban. Disappointed in conservatives. Um, I, I, why, why does that particularly matter? Um, I think a few people did. I think that Sticks, Hex, and Hammer 666 did. Um, what's it? Yeah, so I would say that what had happened was, I mean, they, they picked their targets well, right? So what they happens is they, they, they attack you with so many pejoratives, right? That to defend you is to the minds of the masses to defend those pejoratives, right? So if you call someone a Nazi and then someone comes along and defends that person, the average person not trained to think critically at all thinks, oh, this person has been called a Nazi, this other person is defending this person, therefore this person is defending Nazism, right? Whatever, whatever it is that they, they're going to stick you with, right? White supremacist or whatever, right? And so that's the plan. Now, that plan only works because people are woefully un uneducated on, on how to think. Now, that has been going on for well over 150 years, right, since the governments took over the... Um, Educational systems. I mean, once the governments take over your educational systems, it's going to take a while, but you're doomed. And we're completely and totally doomed, right? So, you know, we all have to deal with the great, uneducated, dullard, and dangerous masses. Everybody. Everybody has to, rich people, poor people, politicians, and pundits, everybody has to deal with the surging resentment and Dunning-Kruger self-empowerment of the woefully ignorant. It's just, it's a force in the universe. It's like there's, this, there's the weak forces and then there's the strong forces. And entitled, ignorant, confident stupidity is the most foundational force in modern society. Because it used to be that you would get your vanity would get pounded back by Christianity, but that's largely gotten loose, which means that the Nietzschean will-to-power demons of the mammal universe have emerged triumphant from their eggshells of the death of Christ and have now become the dinosaurs that run the planet, and we lemmings simply scurry around beneath their feet, uh, hoping for a respite or maybe a metaphorical comet to um, get us some, some leeway. So... Everybody has to deal with, in their own way, the charging, demonic, ignorant, self-confident horde of the unwashed and 
unknowing, who consider themselves masters of morality, though they couldn't tell you right from wrong if you uh, forced them to or tried to force them to in some manner. Not that I'm recommending it, right? But so, yeah, I mean, if, if you get enough negative labels attached to me, then to defend me sounds like you're defending those labels. And then you'll be next. And, you know, everybody wants five more minutes of prominence. Everybody wants five more minutes of life on social media. So, well, so I, I like Dave Rubin in many ways. Right? But Dave, Dave Rubin is like shocked that he got some Twitter ban for saying something. And he said, but what I said was true. I was like, well, yeah, Dave, I mean, everything I said was true and scientifically backed up. And I, you know, around the IQ stuff, race and IQ, it was all, you know, I, I interviewed 19 world-renowned experts on the realm of IQ and presented their findings and their source papers. And everything I said was true. So he knew that. And then he decided, I think, to delete the tweeting question because he had a book coming out, right? So everyone's, you know, got their thing, right? All right. Explaining to my mom that the state won't solve problems that were created by the state it's like putting arm floats on my cat. <laughs> well, of course, you know, when the government says, well, we need to expand our powers because of an emergency, all you're guaranteeing is that the state will continue to invent emergencies in order to expand its power, right? All right. Official CPI in U.S. at 5%. Even the plebs will start noticing now. Oh, my gosh. And isn't that right? They just passed this semi-crypto killing infrastructure bill, right? And what is it, $8,500 per taxpayer? Because, you know, I mean, 8600 bucks would have been completely mad. 8500 bucks, totally fine. Totally fine. Uh, intellectual dark web isn't so nice to Brett Weinstein these days. Even his brother chided him publicly. Ooh, yeah, that's not good. That's not good. I mean, a lot of times you, you, you praise in public and you chastise in private, right? Uh, do I know Michael Rechtenwald? No, but Jeff Rittenbach had a lovely voice. All right. Uh, how does one stop emotional eating? That is a very good question. That is a very good question. I will tell you my thoughts on it. It's something I wrestle with a little bit. I'd never eat much in the morning. I barely eat during the day, and then I gorge myself senseless sometimes at night, which is, of course, the worst time to do it because then you go to bed full and, and it's not great for your all anyway. So, um, and as a consequence, I have to work out like crazy to keep my weight even. So what, what I've sort of come to, and, and the reason I have a habit, and it sounds kind of silly 40 years after the fact, but the reason I have the habit of eating more at night is because during the day, if my mom wasn't around, and so at night she'd be home, I'd be really tense and stressed because of the potential for violence or the actualization of violence, so uh, I'd do a bit of stress eating. But So what, what seems to happen is that you are going to have a tendency to overeat if you come from a system of chaos as a child, for the simple reason that if you come from a, an environment of chaos or abuse or neglect or dysfunction, then you, in a sense, can't guarantee your next meal. You can't guarantee your next meal. So you gorge yourself because it might be a long time till you eat again, right? I mean, that's what hunters who lived in an uncertain state of hunting would do, right? They'd, they'd get some animal, they'd gorge themselves senseless because they wouldn't know when they would get their next animal, right? So you are going to gorge yourself senseless when you're in a state of chaos. Now, that may be a rational response to a genuine state of chaos. Like if you are actually a hunter, you want to gorge yourself senseless. You take the elk and you eat everything you can get your hands on and then 
you never know when the next elk is going to come along. I guess unless you're trailing them, an indigenous population used to do that. But you can't really do that when you have a half agricultural, half hunting society because it all overlaps. A lot of the um, hunting land is taken from the by, by the um, agricultural land. So one thing to recognize growing up in a state of chaos reminds you of the hunter-gatherer stuff. So you're going to have a tendency to overeat, which when food is scarce and random or plentiful but random, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. But when food is readily available, you end up overeating. That's one thing. The other thing is that when you are not raised in a rational manner, when you're not raised to internalize good values, then what happens is, or when you're raised in a situation where you're punished for noncompliance and then rewarded for compliance, right? So you're punished in school if you do something that goes against what the teacher says, and you're rewarded if you obey and you get a you get an A or whatever, a gold star, or whatever, right? So what this does is it creates a, ca- a, a a carrot and a stick mentality. Now, a carrot and a stick mentality, when you deal with yourself, you'll never grow up. And I say this, I'm again, working on this myself, or I'm working on this myself, but you'll never grow up. Because what you do is you say, um, oh, I had a tough day, I deserve a cupcake. Okay, so you're giving yourself a reward, right? Or you say, oh, I didn't work out today. I can't have dessert, right? So you're punishing yourself by withdrawing something from yourself, like your parents might send you to bed without supper, and you send yourself to bed without supper because you've done something wrong or done something bad. The the carrot and the stick, the punishment and the reward, is how you train an animal. It's how you train a dog to poop outside rather than inside, right? I mean, this is livestock management. It's animal husbandry. It's not morality. So you have to ask yourself with the eating, are you punishing and rewarding yourself? Do you say, I deserve X because I've been good, or I must punish myself with Y because I've been bad? That is a statist approach, right? You can have your freedoms if you get the vax. We're going to ostracize and attack you if you don't, right? That's a statist solution. You pay your taxes or you go to jail. You don't go to jail. You don't pay, if you pay your taxes, you won't go to jail. Don't pay your taxes, you'll go to jail. So that is a carrot and a stick mentality. And it's very primitive. And it's viewing yourself as a recalcitrant animal that can't be reasoned with and therefore must be bribed and punished to achieve decent behavior. Now, again, this comes out of our childhoods and all this. And I'm quite fascinated with my daughter who's never been raised with any punishment. She's never been punished at all although she does consider my lectures to be worse than punishment, and there is a running joke in my family. It's like, please, Dad, just spank me. I can't take another (laughs) lecture. Oh, I know. I know what I'm doing. So, (laughs) just by the by, it's the funniest thing. She just, she is so funny. She is so funny. What a delight. So, (laughs) you know, when when your kids get old enough that they truly surprise you, truly surprise you, it's a wonderful moment, right? So we were watching uh, Pride and Prejudice, the old one with, uh, gosh, Colm, someone or other, the guy from uh, The King's Speech, from 1995, I think it was. And we were watching Pride and Prejudice, and in it, Darcy says to this, Elizabeth Bennett, I think her name was, Lizzie, he says to her, basically, I, I, I can't stand that I like you this much. Um, I'm disgusted by how much I'm attracted to you. It's completely inconvenient to me, but damn it, let's get married because I care so much, right? And my daughter just turned to me and said, he just burned her in the proposal, didn't he? 
he, I'm like, yeah, he kind of did. <laughs> and she's like, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. I tell you, any man comes up to me and burns me in the proposal, straight off to the wedding, straight off to the altar. We're doing it. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. We're getting married that day. <laughs> like, wow, what a thing to say. Amazing. <laughs> Absolutely delightful. So, yeah, with emotional eating, just look and say, okay, am I punishing and rewarding myself for good and bad behavior? Am I my own finger-wagging matronly? Am I carrying myself, to use a slightly racist epithet? Am I carrying myself? Am I giving myself rewards for doing the right thing and punishing myself for doing the bad thing? That means that you never get to outgrow school or parents who punish and reward you and so on, right? So that would be my suggestion. Look into that and try and liberate yourself from I mean, this idea that there's somebody watching you and giving you points for good or bad behavior, all the stuff that came out of uh, John Fowles, the Magus. So. All right. How do we fight against groups when they both have the ends justify the means philosophy? We are doomed. Uh, despair. Well, um, despair is only irrational if you can win. <laughs> Fruit fly. So... He thinks he's alive, but the flies seem to wonder why. <laughs> so you promote universal values and you so the way look, the way here's how to break the power of the media, right? It's gonna get get me in trouble. What what the hell, right? So the the to break the power of the media, you just ask people, right? So let's say you've got some grandmother, I get these emails all the time. Oh my grandmother or my aunt or my wife, or, it's always usually a woman, who's like, Oh, they all they do is watch CNN, right? And you say, Okay. You would say to them, what incentive does CNN have to tell you the truth? What incentive does CNN have to tell you the truth? Now, I don't know who runs CNN, but if CNN are, are Christians, then you'd say, okay, well, CNN is run by Christians because it's a mostly Christian country. That would make sense. CNN is run by Christians, and therefore, because Christians, they have a, they'll go to hell if they don't tell you the truth. Right? They're bearing false witness. It's a foundational commandment, the most important commandment. Without that commandment, very few other commandments are even possible let alone plausible. So what, in, what incentive does CNN have to tell you the truth, right? Do they have a moral imperative? No. Does fear sell? Yes. Are they making money from making people afraid? Yes. Do they have a financial incentive? Because funny, you know, so many people are so skeptical of the profit motive of capitalism, and then when it comes to the mainstream media, they're like, yeah, fear is the most motivating of all human emotions. There's uncontrovertible from a social science and psychology standpoint. Fear is by far the most motivating of all human emotions. So what incentive do they have to tell you the truth? None. What incentive do they have to tell you a lie? Billions of dollars. They get paid billions of dollars for fear-pawning you into eyeball-gluing their screen. Right? Does this or that religious group, do they have a moral imperative to tell the truth to people who aren't part of that religious group? Kind of a foundational question, isn't it? What incentive and what moral commandment do people have to tell the truth? Now, if I lie, I will lose listenership. And, and I should. <laughs> I should. Because right? my commitment is to work to tell you the truth. So I, I mean, not only do I want to tell the truth, and I think it's worth telling the truth, and there's not much point doing any of this for me. I mean, I have the kind of verbal, intellectual, analytical, and debate skills that I could have easily had a career in the mainstream media. In fact, it's been offered more than once. So yeah, I could have had all of that. 
but not at the price of my soul. Thank you very much. So I'm I'm in this for for this. I'm not in this for now. I'm in this for like a hundred years from now. That's my my metric. I won't live to see it. Well, maybe I will, but I doubt it because who knows what's going to happen with technology. And if they sort by Wikipedia reputation, I won't exactly be first on the list. But I'm I'm in this for you know the future. The future, not not now. I mean now for you, yes, but in the future for a bigger effect. So. How do you fight? Just ask people, okay, what do you know about this, whatever this group is? What do you know about their moral imperatives? What do you know about their incentives? What do you know about... So if they are not under any foundational moral obligation to tell you the truth and they're well paid for lying to you, they're going to lie to you, right? No moral obligation to tell you the truth and they're paid enormously well for lying to you, they're going to lie to you. Why? Because nobody who won't lie to you is ever going to be elevated to a position of prominence in that organization. Now, if people can't get, if they can't even deal with that, if they, like if they can't even deal with that level of reasoning, what's the moral obligation to tell you the truth and what are their incentives for telling the truth? No moral obligation to tell you the truth and they get punished for telling the truth financially and go broke and go out of business, they're going to lie to you. I mean, they're just going to lie to you. The shareholders won't let anyone else run the company because then all their shares will evaporate and they'll sue, right? So... All right. The leftists don't believe in universal morality, so is their castigation of us just emotional hatred because we block what they want? So a, a corrupt person, and there are corrupt people on the left and on the right, so I won't signal this out for the left. I mean, God, look at what just passed. So a corrupt person doesn't care about morality but they know that most people have a strong addiction to virtue signaling, to moral posturing. Like actually being good? Well, it's really tough. <laughs> it's really hard. Pretending to be good by going along with the mob and shaking your fist at somebody 10,000 people are already shaking their fist at. I mean, that feels good. It feels like you're doing something good, something moral and something right. So the corrupt person knows they don't care about morality. And they know that the average person doesn't care about morality, but the average person does care about approval. And the approval they care for the most is moral approval. That's the approval they care for the most. And so they will create enemies. They will provoke anger. They will provoke hatred, moral condemnation, moral castigation, because people are addicted to moral posturing. And almost nothing is more satisfying to a lost, sad, pathetic, lonely bitter loser life where you have no power than to morally yowl like a howler monkey at someone else and call them bad it just makes you feel better it just you know and there's a few people in this world who feel better when they elevate others but most people in this world feel better when they denigrate others that's mammal right that's tribal so all right It seems the leftists are all about wanting others' resources. They hated Trump because he was in their way. Yeah, I think uh, I think there's. I mean, they hated Trump for a wide variety of reasons. Uh, Dr. Fauci said COVID is more important than freedom. But you see, that's a mammal's perspective. From a mammal's perspective, surviving day by day is all that matters. Abstract concepts such as freedom are reserved for the angels. You have to have a sense that. Something is more important than mere survival. 
Now, for a mammal, nothing's more important than mere survival. You know, if a bigger dog attacks a younger dog, what does the younger dog do? Rolls on its back and exposes its neck, saying, I submit. Because the younger, the smaller dog's goal is to survive to reproduce. It doesn't have abstract self-defense and moral imperatives and non-aggression principle. It doesn't have, it's just survive. Just survive. Survive to eat, survive to fuck, survive to breed. That's it. And so, yeah, for, for, so Dr. Fauci is, is saying something that's completely self-evident to the mammal side of the equation. Now, the angels are like, what are you talking about? If I'm not free to do anything, life is not worth living. But you see, for you to think that, you have to have something to contribute to the world other than cliches and social metaphysician secondhand a repetition of other people's echoed nonsense, right? It goes from the cabal to the media, from the media to the minds of the masses, from the minds of the masses into <laughs> the toilet of history, right? So to live for five more minutes is the mammal's imperative. To obey and, and strengthen and promulgate universal moral principles, that's the angels. So the left is like, I don't care where my resources come from. Like, so the right or the conservatives or the libertarians or whatever, they'll say, yeah, but the welfare state is funded at the point of a gun and money is stolen from them. And the mammals are like, I'm hungry. I need to eat. I, why would I care where the food comes from? I don't care where the food comes from. Right? It, it would be like the jackals, right? Like let's say the lion has half eaten a zebra, right? And wandered off. And then the jackals come in, right? And one jackal turns to the other and says, wait, 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 wait. we can't eat this. We didn't hunt it. We didn't kill it. It's not ours. And the other jacket would be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> it's really hard for us to catch and kill a zebra. <laughs> They're big. They got flying hooves. We lost Whoopi Yelpy the other day. I'm going to eat the zebra. <laughs> the other guy's, no, 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 but it's not ours. We didn't own it. We got to respect the property rights and the lion might come back and it's his too. Technically, it's his kill. Right? That... Jackal is going to die, the one who won't eat the lion's leftovers because they're not his. He didn't earn them. He didn't, right? It's like, okay, there's food here. I don't care where it came from. Or they won't say, the lions will rarely probably say, well, we shouldn't eat too many of the young because we've got to think about next year. And if there aren't any young now, there won't be that many to eat next year. And that's pretty bad. They're like, hey, three babies, fantastic. They're easy to kill and they don't punch a three-hole punch in her head with their little hooves so the mammal side is yeah just survive and reproduce it's it's, it's an animal level of of thinking it's it's lower brain this this like whole abstract reasoning post munty beta expansion pack that's kind of buggy as hell that's a whole new thing that's like a snowflake on the tip of the pyramid of the glacier of which nine tenths is the unconscious right so they are right from a mammal standpoint. Yeah. Surviving COVID is more important than abstract freedom because you can have your abstract freedom, but if you're dead, you don't get to reproduce. Whereas for Christians, of course, Jesus had the most influence of just about anybody in human history because he didn't care about reproducing himself. He didn't care about well, I don't want to anger the Jewish elders because they could get me in trouble with the Romans and I'm going to get nailed up and because I've got to have kids. And I, right? He's like, no, there are principles. The Sermon on the Mount, Golden Rule, 
let he who is without sin cast a phone stone. These are principles, and they're more important to me than my life. And because he was on the side of the angels rather than of the mammals, which would be to skunk away and, and try and just find a way to reproduce and not cause too much trouble, which is a decaying state for any liberties. Jesus, uh, as the foundational principle, said, I am not on the side of the mammals. I am on the side of the angels. I am higher principle guy. I am not going to—and that way you could say his mind reproduced far more effectively than his body ever could, right? But, yeah, so Fauci, when he's—so for people who are, like, on the side of the angels, what do you mean? COVID is more important than freedom. That doesn't make any sense. But that's because you're not—you're thinking about it with this post-monkey beta expansion pack of universality, right? What you have to think of is just think like an animal. Think like a mammal, right? Well, if I get killed by COVID, I don't get to reproduce. And if you think like of the welfare state or even the warfare welfare state, the military industrial complex, and you say, well, that's, that's kind of like the lion killed it. It's not mine, but it's there. I might as well have it. I might as well eat it. It's the same thing with you you're arguing, saying you shouldn't take money from the welfare state. is like you saying to another jackal, we shouldn't eat this because we, we don't own it. We didn't kill it. It's like we're in a state of nature, man. Whatever we can get by calories is good, right? Uh, sorry, I keep wandering from glasses to glasses. All right. <coughs> uh, would you consider military services being dependent on the state? Um, it's it's pretty close. There's a big overlap. But, of course, military service would also be required in a free society as well. You'd need soldiers in a free society. So you have skills that would be transferable to a free society. When you have skills that can't be transferred to a free society, that's when you're really dependent. All right. Um. Uh, Sticks and Tony, uh, Tommy Sotomayor did. Yes, that's true. Razor Fist, yeah. Peter Schiff, yeah, Absolutely. They did stand up for me. Cernovich, Mike Cernovich, yeah. No one stood up when Alex Jones got banned, and that seemed to be the beginning. Well, uh, to be fair, I did put a whole, whole bunch of speeches out about about that. Uh, Naomi Sibbett made a passionate video about your banning. It was quite good. She is, a, yeah, she's a real force of nature. Uh, oh, somebody has posted about the Hunter Biden stuff. Ooh, put on your hazmat suits. We're going Biden hunting. What do we got here? Why is that link not opening? I must ask you. We are live, which means it's going to be exciting. Oh, dear. I opened the browser. Oh, dear. I opened the browser that tells me what Bitcoin's at. Oh, it's down a smidge. But who cares? It's up a lot. All right. Um, here we go. What are they saying? What are the those crazy Russians saying about? Oh, yeah, you should check out um, blah, 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 August 31st in 20, mere, mere 20 days. You can go to Suzanne Venker, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-V-E-N-K-E-R, Suzanne Venker. I've done a couple of shows with her over the years. She's got a great new book coming out. I assume it's going to be great. All her other books have been called How to Get Hitched and Stay Hitched. 12-step program for marriage-minded women. And men should read this too, because it's important. But yeah, she's a, she's a very engaging and entertaining and passionate writer, and she has got a great mission for modern women. All right. Oh, this just came out today, 5, 20 p.m. 
I was having me a little pasta, so I can be forgive myself for missing it. All right. Hunter Biden tells Hooker, Russian stole different laptop, have videos of me doing effing crazy sex. Oh, dear. Uh, when it comes to Russian blackmail, it appears the never materialized Trump tape is actually the Hunter tape. Boy, wait, <laughs> leftists accusing you of something they've done? That's unfathomable. All right. According to the Daily Mail, the president's crackhead son told... This is from Zero Hedge. According to the Daily Mail, the president's crackhead son told a hooker that Russian drug dealers stole a different laptop from of his from a Las Vegas hotel room and that they have videos of me doing crazy effing sex. Effing. You know? Uh, obligatory. Imagine if this was Don Jr. Yeah, well, of course, right. According to the report, Hunter appeared to be dismayed that the thieves could have sold his sex tapes to porn or news companies, meaning he'd be unable to cash in on them himself. After filming himself having sex with the woman using his laptop in January 2019, Hunter left the camera rolling as he recounted a Vegas bender in which he spent 18 days going round from penthouse suite to penthouse suite, sometimes costing $10,000 a night. I spent effing crazy amounts of money, Hunter said. I was with these guys. This one guy was not like you anyway. Each night he'd be like, there's going to be so many people here, crazy effing party, and each night it's nobody. Hunter's claims raised the possibility that he was targeted as a vulnerable conduit to Joe Biden as part of a foreign intelligence operation. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. Oh, dear. You can read this if you want. It's, um, uh, I mean, this is, it's like end of the Roman Empire, Nero, degenerate hellhole, right? I mean, I, I would I don't have any proof, obviously, and may never be any proof, and it may be completely false. But if I had to guess, um, I would assume that uh, Hunter Biden was horrendously sexually abused as a child, and that the drug addiction and compulsive sexuality is a very typical sign of this kind of stuff. Again, I can't prove that. I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying if I had to guess. What are your thoughts on taxation through the sale of goods, GST? You, you just have to end at the word taxation. Taxation is theft. All right. Is it true that there was a gay trans movement in the Weimar Republic? I do believe there was. I do believe there was. All right. Just scoffed on a pack of Cadbury's chocolate buttons, was in a bad mood until Steph came live. Well, Lucy, if you're going to reward yourself, Cadbury's chocolate is kind of the way to go. Actually, I have a bit of a weakness now. You don't care about my culinary habits, but... I did end up getting an ice cream that was salty caramel. Now I know you're saying salt and sweet. It's not a great combo. Well, it kind of is. <laughs> it kind of is. Uh, and Cadbury's, Cadbury's makes satanically good chocolate. It's like if you're going to give up seeing your penis because of your belly, Cadbury's is the way to go. Cadbury's is the way to go. Cadbury's when I was a kid. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm drooling now from this memory. So I used to live in an apartment in this apartment complex. And because there were lots of kids around, because it's not the modern times, there was this... There was this ice cream truck that would come around, you know, playing that song. And I spent a lot of time alone as a kid. I, I was thinking back on this the other day. I remember my brother and our nanny going downtown and me wandering around the neighborhood at the age of four or five, like thinking, oh, I should have come downtown. I should have gone downtown. I really should have gone downtown. And I remember also being home when the ice cream truck would come by 
And it was four cents, four, four pennies, four pennies for what was called the Chuck 99. A Chuck 99 was a cone, a swirls of vanilla, and then a flake bar jammed in the side. Now, if you've never had a Cadbury's flake bar, I think it's Cadbury's. Imagine if an angel invented wood. Now, if an angel invented wood, it would be the tastiest thing in the known universe, and that's kind of like a chocolate flake bar. You bite on it, and it crumbles. And because it crumbles, it releases sex angel god pheromones up into your brain, and you basically have a nipple-clenching orgasm on your tongue. And it's so good. It really uh, is... Um, I mean, this is what China should have released into America. To hell with fentanyl. It would be this stuff that would cause people to drop like flies. It really is that good. I allow myself maybe one every two years. You know, you go to these out-of-the-way places sometimes, and you'll see these like, uh, it's a Scottish candy shop. It's like, what? <laughs> you know, you're not in Scotland, right? And there's a place I went to once which is like, we're an English candy shop. And they had these little Cadbury's chocolate buttons in there as well. And uh, my daughter said, they don't look that good. And I said, kid got to tell you, I hate to tell you when you're wrong, because, you know, I like you to be more right than wrong, because you're my kid. But in this, you're entirely incorrect. You could rule the world if you could powder these up and get people to snort them directly. Uh, they are that good. And she's like, ah, I don't believe you, right? So we got some. She had one. And she's like, oh, my. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a reason daddy doesn't come into this store once, once every two years. So I think I gorge in junk food every now and then, because it was forbidden when I was a child, right? So when it was forbidden, you reward yourself with junk food. But you will forever remain a child, as will I, as will I. I put myself in this category as well. You will forever remain a child if you punish and reward yourself rather than internalizing the values which are best for you. AMC is going to accept Bitcoin because who doesn't want to pay $2,000 for a movie in six months? Sugar supposedly soothes stress temporarily. Yeah. Well, of course... Sugar was our incentive to go and pursue fruit, right? Which gave us valuable uh, vitamins and minerals. Uh, Izzy is so much fun. Makes me laugh so much when we game. She is. Um, she is a blast. I feel like shite every, eating, every uh, evening eating so much. Oh, sorry. I feel like shit eating so much chocolate tonight. Well, you see... When the here's why it's tough to break out of a habit. It's tough to break out of a habit when the punishment and the reward are the same thing because you've got a loop, right? If your reward is chocolate, it could be anything, or your reward is whatever it could be chocolate, uh, pornography, whatever it is, uh, um, sitting on the couch watching a movie. So if your reward has embedded in it the punishment, then you're in a closed loop, right? So it means that you reward yourself by giving yourself chocolate, and then you feel like shit for eating the chocolate afterwards, so your reward and your punishment is a closed system. And it means that you're simply reliving childhood stress. You're managing. Managing reward and punishment is a lot to do with when you have a childhood where you're rewarded and punished, you learn to manage reward and punishment. It's your only sense of control. And so you need to have reward and punishment in your life or you feel truly helpless. Uh, do you think righteousness will eventually win in the U.S. or will the leftists take over? I um, I don't like to make those kinds of predictions because it smacks of free will violations, if that makes sense. It smacks of free will violations. Um, it's really going to depend on, on people's choices. All right, so... Um, 
Rebuke a righteous man and he will love you. Rebuke a fool and he will hate you. Yes, well, of course, if a, a, a fool has the pretense of knowledge and he bases his entire or her entire sense of value and purpose on the pretense of knowledge, and if you pierce that, it feels the false self or the self that's based on lies, or to put it more accurately, the self that re was required to repeat lies in order to survive as a child, the false self, when provoked or when confronted by the truth, feels that it is a physical assault that will lead in murder, it will lead to murder, will end in murder. A personality built on lies is exorcised by the truth, exorcised, not exorcised, demonically cast out by the truth. And so when you, the more that your society is built on lies, the more that your personality is built on lies, the more you will hate and fear and feel perfectly legitimately correct, morally correct in deplatforming, attacking, fighting, encouraging violence against someone who's bringing the truth to you because to the false self, the truth is fatal. The truth is fatal. And for people who've ego-identified with the false self, they believe that the truth is death, and that's why they will fight to the death to keep the truth at bay. Hey, Steph, do you have any advice on how to get started in life? I've listened to your show for years and read various self-help books, but I just can't seem to get started. Well, um, are you surrounded by people who are committed to your success? I know the answer to that. You must surround yourself by people who are committed to your success. If you are surrounded by people who will be threatened by your success, you're doomed. So I'll tell you a little brief story. That's how important this is. I'll tell you a little brief story. When I first started this show, I can't even tell you how grand and insane and mad my ambitions were for Freedom A. I had already spent 25 years, a quarter century, thinking about and reasoning in philosophy. Oh, and by the by, if you want to get a great collectible, great collectible, freedomainnft.com, freedomainnft.com. You can go and get my reading of my response to the Communist Manifesto I wrote when I was 23 called The Rationalist Manifesto. Anyway, so... When I first started this show, I was incredibly excited and thrilled and passionate to get going on what I finally felt was I always thought I had an enormous amount to bring to the world, and I always felt there were people in the way, people I had to get through, professors, hiring committees, publishers, whoever, right? Just gatekeepers of every kind. But I thought, my God, if I can have a direct conversation with the world, Socrates style, I bet you I can produce some amazing, wonderful, positive, excellent, fantastic things. So I was very excited. Very, I saw, I'll tell you an even funnier story. I wrote a novel, oh, long before the internet could do any of this kind of stuff, where a guy would, had a little camera on his computer and would produce rants that went out into the world and became very successful. <laughs> long before the internet could do any of this stuff, I was prepping for it. So I was so excited terrified, but incredibly excited. And I shared my enthusiasms with the people in my life at the time. How many of those people in my life do you think are still in my life? <laughs> I shouldn't laugh because it was not a very fun transition. But how many of the people in my life that I told and shared my incredible enthusiasm for my potential to bring philosophy to the world 
How many of those people are still in my life? The answer, of course, is zero. Is zero. They didn't believe in it. They thought it was exaggerated. They didn't think I could do it. They didn't think there was a market for it. That hadn't been done before. There was no precedent. I'd failed in other things and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, and just, you know, just wet blanketing the whole thing. So then you have a choice. Am I going to follow my bliss? Am I going to follow my destiny, my purpose, what I'm very best at and what is very best for the world? Is that what I'm going to do? In which case, I have to completely abandon these people from my life. You know, if you're in a, you're in a speedboat and everyone's standing on the edge, you can't go fast. If you want to go fast, people got to get off the speedboat. Maybe you can drop them at a dock. Maybe you just hit the gas and they fall off, whatever, right? What a crazy thing. Whenever people were ambitious in my life, I was already enthusiastic. A friend of mine wanted to become a professor of engineering. It's like, yeah, great, man. Go, go for it. I'm happy to read papers. I won't understand it much, but, you know, good, you know. And he did end up becoming fantastic, right? He, he achieved his goal and all that. Didn't achieve his other life goals, like getting married or whatever, but he achieved that. So good. I was always, you know, people wanted to do great things, big things, amazing things. Great. Aim big, aim high. Life is short, right? Always had this... I guess kind of fear of like, bloop. I wrote a whole novel about this, just that you could be a brilliant person and you could be encased in an indifferent universe and you could just vanish into your grave like a spear dropped from a great height into a still deep lake, bloop, barely even leaves a ripple. Nah, I want to be the comet striking tsunami that <laughs> brings water to the desert. So yeah, that's the choice. So my guess is that you have significant ambitions. If you're listening to this show, hopefully I paved the way a little bit for, I have achieved what I wanted. Was it bigger than I thought I would be? Nah, I always thought I was capable of some pretty big stuff. Did it end the way I thought it would end? Eh, it's not outside the bounds. And it's not over yet. Still breathing. Not that that's an invitation to anyone to change that state, but so... That's your choice. You can never, ever be more successful than the least enthusiastic person around you. And you should be enthusiastic. It's not a one-way street. You should be enthusiastic for their big dreams and goals as well. But there are so many people who are threatened by success. And I understand why. Success, particularly in the realm of philosophy or morality, can bring a great hell down upon you because all morality threatens hierarchical, oligarchical power structures. Right? All universal morality threatens concentrations of violent power and they don't like that right <laughs> they don't like that i mean if if um, if uh, bacteria could deplatform penicillin it would right so um i i mean i bet you already are getting started in life but it will upset and offend and other people and they won't say to you directly i don't want you to succeed because it'll make me feel anxious and it'll make me feel like i'm wasting my life if you really succeed I mean, how many people could I bring along on this journey? Hang on. <laughs> how many people? Now, I had to, and, you know, I remember when I first met my wife, I'm like, yeah, I want to do great, great, amazing things with my life. All right. Uh, did you see that the ADL is joining forces with PayPal, the news titans? Yeah, well, I mean, I've been off PayPal for a long time, so yes, of course. Of course it does. Of course it does. Do you think virtue signaling can be explained by people wanting social status to boost their chances of attracting a high-status partner? 
Yeah, I mean, it has something to do with a mating display. But, I mean, very few of the women, the women who are most into virtue signaling tend to be the one, ones who get married and have children the least. And so I don't think it's quite as much as a high-status partner thing. I think it's because they are, like, why would you virtue signal? You virtue signal for one simple godforsaken reason. You virtue signal because you're surrounded by shallow, dangerous fools who will shit on you and deplatform you from their lives if you put one step wrong in the social narrative. Like when people virtue signaling, all they're telling me is I'm surrounded by people who don't give a shit about me and just want me to be a useful idiot for their ideology. And if I'm not a useful idiot for their ideology, they'll just toss me out like uh, yesterday's cat litter. It's a fear-based thing. And, and why is it a fear-based thing? If you have to conform to other people's irrationality in order to pretend that you have value to them, it's because you really feel worthless yourself. And because you feel worthless yourself and you don't approve of yourself, you become incredibly dependent on other people's approval. And as I said earlier, if you're dependent upon other people's approval, you can't be moral. Too dependent. Am I catching up? Yes. Uh, most mammal people sound like postmodernists. Yeah, there are definitely. So postmodernism is the rejection of universals. And when everybody's rejecting universals, they're straight up inviting you to the um, our selected mammal. Mammal universe. Uh, let's see here. Imagine spending over a decade in higher education getting a PhD just to learn how to think like an animal. Well, no, but the only people who get the PhDs are those who are already thinking like an animal. And what they're thinking like an animal is, okay, well, if I conform to all of this shit, I, get, I only have to work 15 hours a week. I get four months off in the summer and every fourth year is a sabbatical where I can go someplace cool and write a book that no one's going to read. Lauren Chen is a big fan of yours as well. Yeah, she's, she's good. She's good. You need a full body condom to view the Hunter Biden laptop. Oh, yeah. It would like, uh, I think touching the Hunter Biden laptop is like uh, Katniss Everdeen touching the fog in <laughs> one of the Hunger Games movies. It's poison! All right. Uh, Oregon says, as long as you know critical race theory, communism, and communism, you can graduate. Math is racist. Yeah, so critical race theory, I mean, I've talked about that the, the, the races are imported to cause social divisions, set the races against each other. I've been talking about that for years, and critical race theory is just the next step up. They have enough people now to get that going. I live with my parents, and I just turned 26. Ouchie. All right. Your description of curly whirlies is a satanic spider web of sugar. Once made me laugh. <laughs> yes, curly whirlies are pretty good too. Curly whirlies are pretty good too. Hi, Steph. Tried making the anti-state argument to someone I met recently for the first time. Debate is hard. New respect for the skill. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, hopefully, it was a conversation where they were talking politics to begin with. It's very, very hard when somebody's really embedded in the matrix to make a case outside the moral universe. It's really, really tough. Cadbury is a little too sweet. Too much sugar. Not real chocolates. I don't use the word blasphemer all too often, but in this case... 
AMC accepts Bitcoin just in time for there being nothing worthwhile to watch. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, all these hero movies, they're just there to bleed off any kind of moral courage from everyone by making everyone think that the only people who can fight evil are those with weird superpowers. My stomach looks pregnant now that I've washed the chocolate down with coffee. Lucy. Lucy, 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 Lucy. Do you want to be pregnant? Is that what the chocolate's for? Do you want to be pregnant? I know a lot of women who wanted to be pregnant who gained weight. All right. Boom, 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 boom. Schwarzenegger to anti-maskers, screw your freedom. Well, I mean, look, I mean, the guy is still a social figure and he wants to be... See, the people who are celebrities are celebrities because they have a desperate desire to be liked. And don't get me wrong, I like to be liked. I love to be loved. But here's the thing, right? Is that you you got to be liked by virtue, God, universality, UBB, you gotta, in order to continue to like yourself. So Schwarzenegger has a desperate desire to be liked, which is part of his charisma. It's the same thing with The Rock. And so they're completely open to manipulation because all that people do is, is they say, look, we're going to withhold the drug of you being liked if you don't do what we want. So The Rock or Dwayne Johnson would end up in a horribly racist movie against whites, a horribly racist movie, which was, um, oh, brain freeze, Baywatch, Baywatch, right? Where, you know, all of the non-whites are cool and the white guys throwing up in a pool. I couldn't, I couldn't watch more than five minutes. It was just horrendous. So those guys are, are so dependent upon people liking them and, and people needing them and people looking up to them and people ooing and eyeing when they come into the room. They're so dependent on that. They, it's hollowed out any moral sense, I would assume, foundational moral sense that they would have. And so because they're so addicted to being liked, if they get shut off from that drug that they need, they behave like any other addict, which is that it would be torture for them, right? You have to, have to, have to be willing to give up your audience if you're going to be honest with your audience. You have to be. I've said this from the very beginning. I have to be willing for you to hate me and not just accept that, but embrace that. I have to be willing for you to hate me if I have any chance of telling the truth to you. Because otherwise, I'm dependent upon your approval. And if I'm dependent upon your approval, I can't tell you the truth because you could just disapprove of me for something you don't like, and then I will avoid that, right? So, yeah, so Schwarzenegger, he wants to still make movies. He wants to go on Jimmy Kimmel. He wants to be a public figure. He wants to blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, you know, I mean, if they tell him to say stuff, he'll say it. Because, you know, it's like the, the, the drug addict and the guy is handing the drug saying, dance for your drug. He'll dance for his drug, right? Boom. All right. Steph, how do you separate great talent from horrible political views? I find I'm avoiding things I used to like. Oh, yeah, don't you remember the days before social media when you didn't know the political views of any of your heroes? Oh, Brian May. Anyway, um, you just have to... You just have to recognize that... Two, two things. One is that talent in one area does not mean talent in all areas. And secondly, somebody with a great musical talent has obviously poured their 30,000 hours into their musical talent and not into understanding politics. And third, of course, if you've heard of them, they're famous. If they're famous, they're desperate for approval. If they're desperate for approval, they're controlled by the people who are gatekeepers to them, particularly if they're older people. Like if you didn't play the game, if you didn't do what the powers that be wanted, you could never become famous in the past. It's a little different now with social media, but not for long if you're doing anything truth, truthful. 
So just recognize that in order that their love of music means that they have to say stuff that's horrible because otherwise they can't play their music. And if you enjoy their music, just recognize that as a compromise they had to make and be thankful that you never, ever had to make that or hopefully won't have to. Steph, how does one unlearn helplessness? Uh, anger. Anger is the way to, uh, anger is the antidote to helplessness. Helplessness is when anger is more destructive to you than to the person who's harming you, and then you are helpless, right? Not a woman's fault if she is ugly. Fat is another thing, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, it's really, it's pretty rare for a face to be truly ugly. It happens, but it's pretty rare. I remember there's a woman in my university, a lovely figure, but honestly, a face like a shaved orc. It was just really, really unpleasant, but very unusual. I mean, she, she's the exception that proves the rule. I mean, if you, you know, exercise, good skin, um, nice hair, whatever, right? You can probably do it. Pretty attractive. Uh, how do you cope living in Canada? I visited. It's a beautiful country, but it seems that it's gone full social justice warrior hell. But I, I live in my house. I live with sane people. All right. I don't want to be pregnant for at least five years. I won't make the obvious joke. Nobody would, because that's a long time to be pregnant. Well, that's your head, though, right? Does your body want to be pregnant? Uh, hey, Steph, I saw your brilliant California duck. Oh. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Should close out soon. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right. Look at that. If I was a woman, I wouldn't date me in my current situation. Well, that's that's wise. That's wise. All right. Should we? Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, I appreciate everyone's tonight. Uh, sorry for um, a slightly shorter show, but I had a two and a half hour call in this afternoon. Steph, have any of your views changed? <laughs> I don't know. Just free uh, FDRpodcast.com. I've got a whole series of things I was wrong about, dot, dot, dot. Well, things I've changed. Yeah, no, a lot of my views have changed, for sure. I would be sad if they hadn't, right? New information, new facts. I very much enjoy these Wednesday live stream stuff. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that. I'm sorry that we didn't get a, a call in tonight, but we'll aim for that. But the call in, the problem with the call in is that it tends to be one topic for an hour and a half. Uh, this is our nice scattering. So I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, have yourselves a wonderful evening, everyone. A great pleasure to chat. Lots of love from up here, freedomain.com forward slash donate to help out the show. I would really, really appreciate that. If you could, I would uh, uh, be very happy to. Freedomain.locals.com. It's a free community. It's a free community. Lots of people chatting there. Freedomain.locals.com. I'd really appreciate that. Come by, and I think you'd appreciate it too. Lots of fun people to chat with. And new podcasts. There's tons of podcasts there who haven't, which haven't gone out, and you certainly get them earlier. So um, freedomain.locals.com. Last but not least, almostnovel.com. Yeah, almostnovel.com will get you to my novel. I hope that you'll check it out. I was incredibly proud of it and still am. Still am. So have a wonderful evening. Lots of love from up here. I will talk to you on Friday. And uh, oh, I think I'm going to do a show Saturday. I don't know if it's going to be live streamed or not. We're going to do an interview Saturday night. So I'll keep you posted about that. All right. Take care, my beauties. Good night.